You are now listening to The Model Mindset. What's going on, guys? Today we are joined by a very special guest. It is the one and only Enfield legend himself, Tony Allegro. Tony is a decorated soccer coach and educator in town. During Tony's playing career, he was selected to the all-conference team as a sophomore, junior, and senior, as well as being named to the all-state team his junior and senior year. Tony continued to excel on the field playing Division I soccer at Sacred Heart University. His true gift came after his playing career, where he started sharing his love for soccer as a coach and passion for education with becoming a teacher. Tony teaches social studies at Enfield High School and is head varsity coach for the boys' soccer team. We sit down with Tony to discuss how he can identify potential in our youth as a coach and educator, as well as being a role model on and off the field. We hope you guys sit back and enjoy our conversation with the one and only Tony Allegro. All right, man, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, We certainly want to get into a lot with you today. Um, And and we kind of try to title these episodes, right, man? We try to figure out what we can kind of call them and, and not just say interview with now. So, uh, we were talking about it, we kind of figured it would be called like creating the next group. You're involved in a lot with the youth, you know, coaching, teaching, all these different things for a long time now. So we certainly thought that kind of be a cool title to have. It's going to be a lot of what our conversation is today. Um, so, so first off, right off the rip, man, I just want to kind of get your perspective on, if I'm to say the word potential to you, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear the word potential? Uh, first, thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah, man, of course. You guys. Um, potential. So... In a, a shortened uh, definition, I think it would be the, the space and the capacity for growth. And you can't have one without the other. So, you know, the analogy of, I think of the analogy of you put a fish in a small fish bowl, right? The space is small, it's not gonna get too big. Um, you put that same fish in a bigger tank and it'll grow, it has the space. But there's another element too, is the capacity, right? So that to me, as, as a human being, we have, when we talk about potential as human beings, it's a both internal and external thing, right? Um, so for example, um, one day when I was bored, uh, scrolling through my, my phone, I see uh, this this advertisement or this this thing, guy grows the biggest strawberry in the world, and the guy, the whole torso is <laughs> a strawberry, he's carrying it in his arms. And if you think about it, strawberries are not supposed to get that big. Yep. But, you know, you look all over nature, there's signs of living things exceeding that capacity Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and you know i'm not a science guy but you you break down the science of it i'm sure you could find there's you know it just had the right amount of nutrients the right uh, amount of water at the same time but somewhere you know inside that strawberry it figured out on its own how to keep growing Mm -hmm. yeah right so i also think in terms of sports just being a coach i always think of lionel messi you guys know the full story about Lionel Messi when he was a kid? Nah. No. All right, so you don't know a Messi story, really. Greatest no, soccer I player can't. in the world maybe ever, right? When right. he was young, he had a muscle deficiency. I did not know that. he was not, you know, not supposed to be an athlete. Doctor said, you're not going to be able to grow. You're missing, you know, certain elements. And, uh, you're, you're just not going to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, your muscles are not going to reach its full capacity. So growing up in Argentina, didn't have... The, the resources mm-hmm. to get the medicine and stuff he needed. So he goes to Spain and Barcelona, um, and the doctors treat him, and uh, all of a sudden he flourishes. 
right? And he starts to grow. His muscles are fine. And not only is he getting taken care of medically, but he's in the right spot as a development for a player. But internally, he has that drive, right? Mm-hmm. Never to give up. I'm going to defeat all the odds. And he has that drive with inside of him. But he's also has now the support system of people giving him everything he needs to reach his capacity as a player. Um, so the combination of sports and sports of having that, that space, that, that place to, to grow, and the capacity internally and externally to reach that potential. And I think one of the misconceptions we have about potential is once potential is met, there's like a ceiling, mm. right? I love that. But yeah. It's bullshit. It is. It is. <laughs> so, man, yeah. It's like a ceiling with, with no roof, right? It's right. just an open space. You see, I don't know how many players I coached that when they were 10 years old, you're like, yeah, this kid's got potential. And then, man, then when they get to college, you're like, I never would expect this kid to be this amazing mm-hmm. of a player. Yeah. They, and, you know, you look at players like uh, one of my favorite players, Andrea Pirlo. The guy's not athletic at all. The oh, magician man. with the ball, though. But magician with the ball way went way past his potential. Um, so I think, you know, potential is kind of a tricky word just because the stigma. Yeah. There's that cap on it. Right. But you get the, that space and the capacity, and then it's up to the human being. And you could just keep on growing, man. Yeah, yeah. I like that space and capacity. That's a good way. Yeah. That's kind of a good way of describing it. That was that was awesome. That was good, man. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, you you're quite the decorated athlete. Oh, you know, in high school, three time All Conference, two time All State. You played Division One soccer at Sacred Heart University, and and I'm not just saying this because you're on our podcast. <laughs> I told this to John, and I said that you are one of the best soccer players that has ever come out of Enfield. And I truly oh, mean man. that Thanks. just with your, your ability, your soccer IQ, which is often overlooked with people like they may have skill, but it's that soccer IQ and yours is off the chart. Thanks, man. With that, what were some of the ways that coaches either identified the potential in you or were able to maybe get the best out of you? That's a good question, man. Um, so it's kind of like twofold. Um, I think coaches, you know, I might deviate a little bit. No, no, no go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches back then have, they had such a different approach than coaches now. Coaches back then was, this is my way or the highway. I'm going to tell you what to do. If you don't do it, you're going to be on the bench and that's it. And, and like, I, I was okay with that. You know, okay. I was one of those players that was like, all right, yeah, you set that standard for me. I'm going to meet it. You want to be hard on me? Okay. You, you, you give me that criticism, uh, you know, inside I might have some words that I'll keep to myself but you know I get you and I'm gonna keep driving um, so I think those those coaches kind of gave me that push mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah hey you got you got to do this whether you like it or not hey you you need to be in shape I know you don't want to run two miles but you want to be in shape to play division one soccer you got to run two miles every day buddy. Yep. yeah um, so you know they kind of give you that that standard and that push but um, I know before we started this podcast, we were talking about Jim Russell. That guy, oh my gosh, that guy saw potential in every single kid he coached. Even if he knew the kid wasn't the most skillful player, he was going to get spare minutes. When that kid went on that field for five minutes and just got his time, there was never a drop off. Mm-hmm. Like awesome. you went out in the field and you're like, oh man, this kid's on the field. Oh no, man, like. We might we might have a, a fall a little bit in, in our team play things might go go haywire a little bit, but then he gets on the field and you're like whoa, <laughs> all right, 
Like he saw and he was smart. He knew where to put players. Um, but in that sense, um, for me, the, the the coaches that really drove me and, and and helped me meet my potential were the ones that established relationships with me. Man. Yeah. You know, they they took the time to talk. They just didn't talk about X's and O's, but it was about like, hey man, you. you you feel okay? Like you seem just not yourself to mm. everything all right. And right there, you you didn't have to tell me, you didn't have to yell at me. Next time I step out on the field, I'm gonna play hard for you. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying? Yep. Huge. Um and it also gives you that self confidence, man, when you're having a rough game. And even the best players in the world, they have stinkers, you know, oh, like absolutely heck, man, yeah. this kid just didn't have a good game today. But you know, that conversation afterwards, the game of what that coach says to you next could be you know, I'm really disappointed in you. And I think if a coach said that to me, it would have shattered me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, hey, it's all right. You know, that positive talk. But it wasn't, I think some coaches now use that as, lack for a better term, cheap talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but they don't mean it, mean it. And I think that's where the relationship piece is is so key. The coaches that told that to me, I really believed that they believed in me, that they were just not telling me this so I wouldn't go, you know, pout in the car on the way home. Right. But they did believe it. And you go out there in the next game and you have that confidence. And in sports, but just in life in general. Yeah. If you don't have confidence in something, you're not going to meet your shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Um, You know what's crazy too is I actually had a coach that kind of did the opposite where he was, he, I don't think he's still at a very uh, prestigious school anymore, but he was just ruthless. And it got to a point where I didn't want the ball. Like I was afraid. I played scared. scared. And he would just, but you know, it was was really strange. Our backup goalie flourished. And our starting goalie crumbled. A lot of the players crumbled. Some of them just really rose to the occasion. And for me, I didn't, I, I was, I was crumbling. My confidence was breaking. Um, I was coming off a serious injury. And the best thing that happened to me is I remember we were going to a tournament, I think, in Delaware. And it's towards the end of the season. It was a tough season uh, that year. We lost, I think, in like uh, the semifinals of the, of the cup when I was playing for world class. And our coach couldn't go to the tournament. So we had like a fill-in coach. And so he was the complete opposite, super laid back, uh, loved to talk to us. And so I played free. And so I remember I was playing left back in our first game. I was playing sweeper until I basically couldn't do anything out there. It was embarrassing. (laughs) So our sweeper got hurt. And so he said, hey, Brian, can you go back to sweeper? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Dude, didn't allow a goal the entire season or that entire tournament. We won the tournament. And then after the after this after the tournament, he goes to me. He's like, "Hey man, you played amazing out there," and he even told our coach that. And so it was just like validation that hey, I don't suck. Yeah. You know, it's right. just it's I my confidence was shot from that coach. Yeah. And so to your point, like coaching, I mean, coaching can really instill a lot of confidence in you, but it could also do the inverse too, depending on the coach. And you may not be able to take that too as a player. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And that's I think a lot of coaches miss the mark they they go into it thinking like hey man i'm prepping i got i know my x's and o's and you could be the best coach with x's and o's you could have a great team of players and they'll never ever reach their potential right ever and i've seen it time and time again great teams collapsing just like you said players just all of a sudden playing 
not playing well. Um, and I think, you know, they're, they're similar instance, you know, when I was playing Premier, I had awesome, awesome coaches and all those guys are great guys and they gave me a lot and I so much appreciate. I wouldn't be who I am without those coaches. But just the style from one coach to another coach. I had coaches that were very laid back that, hey, I had a stinker, they would just give me my space. And they wouldn't say anything and reflecting back on it, like, I kind of wish it did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there was probably a, a time between my freshman and junior year in high school when when I was in middle school, I was this size. So I was I was kind of ahead Preacher of the game. Preacher of the choir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Welcome to the club. I'm going to be the tall person. Yeah, like one day, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as soon as players caught up to me athletically, I was like, oh, man. Like, usually I'd be able to just speed by this guy. And dribble. Now the game's getting more difficult. And I think my coaches saw that. And they're like, you know what? He'll figure it out. Let's just give him his space. Mm -hmm. And then my junior year, I got a new coach. And he was a little more... A little more talkative, like a little gave me more feedback, and then, boom! One game, I just had a, a, a real nice game in the beginning of the season, and he was just like, same same thing. Hey, we we won that game because of you, mm -hmm. and I was just like, oh yeah. In again, the validation. Every human being wants to be right. validated. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just goes such a long way. So yeah, coaching style is huge, huge, huge. huge. So like, do you remember that and, and apply that to what you do now with both kids you teach and coach? Absolutely, man. Um, it's something that I, I always, always think about. And it's, I learned that quick through teaching, actually. I'm, I'm going to be honest. My first, probably my first five years of coach, if I was to go back in time, I would have slapped myself, man. Yeah. I, I did some things that make me cringe. Now, were you I trying to be like a things. coach, like like coach speak and coach yeah, act? You yeah, know what I mean? Like, like, I think a part of it was like, I'm young. I want I want these kids to take me seriously. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm yep. going gonna, gonna to be, <laughs> be stern. Yeah. And I think when I did that, I turned players off, reflecting back at that. And uh, I'll never forget, I had one of my first couple of years coaching. I coached like a U11 or U12 team uh, up at Sports World. And uh, their parent later on uh, had a younger daughter that came into the program, and uh, I was I was coaching an older team, and I, w I wasn't like that like I used to be, but I was I was yelling out instructions on the field with the guys during practice, and she said to me, "Yeah, so you're you're still yelling out there," and I was just like. <laughs> Oh my gosh! This yeah. Takeaway you got from my coaching, I felt like I wanted to crawl into a ball, man. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, that plus, you know, kind of that reflective practice. Now I'm very, very conscious of it, um, and a lot of it's just growing up, right? You're Absolutely. Just like, you're maturing a little bit. You're reflecting more. Yep. Um. But teaching too, man. Like you realize real, real quick in teaching. I teach history, man. So you either love history or you hate it, and there's kind of no in between. So those kids that hate <laughs> That's history, so true. That's so true. <laughs> kids that hate history, and especially we teach for an hour and twenty minutes, man, to get them <sighs> hour and twenty minute block period. So to get them to be engaged for an hour and twenty minutes, you absolutely have to have a relationship with the kid. Right. It's putting their head down. Yeah. Instead of scolding them, that kid still ain't gonna do his work. A kid's just gonna hate me right. for yelling at him. Instead, you take the approach. Dude, you good? You get enough sleep? You feeling well? Yeah, right. Total, it, just that one one difference. Yeah. Game changer. Mm -hmm. Shows you care right. too. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And that's yeah. how you establish that rapport, that trust, that, yep. that relationship, yeah. and it goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Billy talks a lot about that. Billy McSheffrey, he's the strength yeah. and conditioning yeah, coach. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and St. John's Prep, and he talked about that. 
because we went to him for some advice on like when we first started doing these camps and stuff. Like, all right, like if we if we have a lot of kids, what's the best approach, right? He's like, just make a connection with them. Yeah. Don't worry about don't worry about form and all these different things and the, and your and your and your program. He's like, just worry about learning their names and making connections with them. Yeah. And it was like the best advice because it worked. Like it yeah. worked with our kids. It worked with the older group, like it just worked all in between. So, like, yeah. absolutely, the personal connection is is so underrated and so underlooked. I feel like because it, it worked so well. Yeah, and you're developing that trust too. Like, not only the rapport, but trust if something was wrong in their life and they needed someone to talk to, it could be you. Yeah, yeah. you know. And you know the uh, one of the the things the the lines I probably stick to the most when I think about teaching and coaching is when there's behaviors like that, like the unwanted behaviors behind every behavior is a need. Yep. And you got to remember that. So you get, you get mad, you know, kid, you know, getting angry at you, you got to kind of take a step back and say, you know what, he's mad, but there might be a need behind there that I'm not seeing. That's way bigger than whatever's going on right here. Yeah. Um, You're that's totally great right. advice yeah. there. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. And it's funny you say that too, because my wife's a teacher as well. And because we listen to so many podcasts and we're still kind of just growing ourselves. Absolutely. And a lot of the podcasts, they talk about that, whether it be a student acting out, it could be, you know, something at work where maybe a coworker acts out. It's, it's so spot on. There's something underneath that action that yeah. is causing them to act like that. Yep. Whether it's a child that is just straight up misbehaving just terribly. Yeah. What's their home life like? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, adults, same thing. If they're coming to work and their work is shit, yeah. typically it's something going on in their personal life. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yep. No human being, if you ask them, hey, if you want to be remembered as being, you know, an asshole or, you know, being a jerk, is that how you want to be remembered? Truly. Mm-hmm. No matter the words that come out of their mouth, deep inside, no human being no. wants to be right. known as that. No, right? absolutely not. So obviously it's they're doing those behaviors for a certain reason. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we often talk about not being able to teach, you know, certain abilities, right? Certain skills. Maybe they don't have, you know, that drive or that competitiveness or the heart. What would you say are some characteristics you look for in your athletes? Or students that make you feel they have t- that have that untapped potential. Oof, that's a great question. It's a matter of figuring out first what they want. What they want. I think there's, especially with athletes and young athletes, when you see a kid that, you know, it's mostly you know you nailed it. It's mostly that that inner drive. But mm. where's that motivation coming from? And if you see a kid just not motivated. You got to ask, well, are you here because your parents are forcing you to be here? <laughs> do you really want to be here? Yeah, do it's a great you, question. Do you, do you just not, you know, do you just not love the sport? And that's okay. Maybe you love other things, and that's cool. Um, so it's to find out the why, yeah. right? Yeah. The why. So why are you here? Simon Sinek. Right? Yes. So why are you here? And then if you want to be here, um, then there's certain things. Yeah, you know. The, the aspect that's huge, and we're talking a lot, this is our main focus for our team this year. We have a talented team at Enfield High School. It's about the mental preparation for the game, is that these kids have the ability to do something special, but if you don't have self-discipline, if you don't 
show up prepared for a game that means taking care of your body. <laughs> we just had, it makes me laugh as I say this, <laughs> the, uh, yesterday it was kind of hot. Um, but we, um, our, our freshmen were, had to do a concussion test and they were just being, you know, freshmen, they're kind of mature and they're not giving the, the physical, uh, or the, the athletic trainers a hard time. Um, but they were just talking and not paying attention and the, the trainer got frustrated. So we're like, all right guys, you know, we got, we got to learn our lesson here. Or we're just going to do a couple of quick sprints. Like, you know, we don't want to give out, you know, uh, sprints as punishment. But for this one time, we're going to make the exception just to drive drive this home with you. <laughs> Literally five minutes later, we had kids throwing up. No and way. I'm like, oh, my God. Man. Are these kids that, <laughs> that out of shape? We're not even yeah. running them that hard. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff's like, I, I come down the field because I was coming down from meeting. He's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> So uh, we called the we called the athletic trainers and they come down and I'm like hey I'm not sure if they're dehydrated it's a little hot but it's kind of crazy we've only been running for five minutes and she's like all right let me check them out she comes over and she goes yeah well this kid had uh, for lunch he had um, ice cream and chips this kid didn't have breakfast or anything to drink during the day um, so like <laughs> you look so at that true. and you're yeah, like oh right. man like yeah. you can't if you can't physically run for five minutes in soccer you're not gonna meet your that's potential yeah. man well that sounds like your your peanut butter and jelly and, and cookies before every game oh back in high God. school yeah it's true and and before we go into that too is yeah. when we were working with South Windsor we had this one kid that we started we were just doing plyometrics we haven't gotten in our speed training yet and so it goes plyometrics speed and then we go strength training and so we're doing plyos, and this one kid just got really pale. And so he's like, I need to go sit down. So he sat down. And it was and funny, not to interrupt you, because yeah. he was a really good kid, really responsive, really, really intuitive. And we were trying to get them lined up, basic, like a basic line. And he had a partner that he had to stand behind, and he was just standing there blank-faced. And we're like, I'm not going to say his name, but I'm like, dude, like, get behind your guy here, you know? And he just like was non-responsive, and that's how we knew yeah. why. But so yeah, it was just... Yeah. But so we go over, so John goes over to him, and first question John goes, how much have you had to drink today? And he goes, um, I don't know, maybe like a little bit of water. And so he had gone to a camp earlier in the day and then came to ours at mm-hmm. night. And so John's like, you're dehydrated, man. Yeah. Like he was so pale. You could tell because he said his vision was getting blurry. He was having a hard time hearing. He was pale. I'm like, dude, like. This kid's getting past it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you're going down, man. Let's go to the, get to the bench, get some fluids, right? Yeah, and it's so like this kind of goes into our next question, but I remember in high school, I don't know how you were as well, but in high school, man, I would eat the same thing every single day. It was peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> two chocolate chip cookies, and a chocolate milk. <laughs> and then I would play an entire soccer game. Dude, we you know? knew nothing. No one ever yeah. taught us about nutrition. Right. No. Yeah, for night games, you know where we used to go before night games? We went we, to Arby's. Yeah, we go to Arby's. Oh. Yeah. Arby's, you nasty sunfish. Yeah. And then I'd go out and play the biggest game of the season. <laughs> yeah. And just like, and then after feel like garbage. Yes. Right. Sure why. Total oh garbage. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, athletes today, they, they're lucky. We know so much now about sports science and they have so many things available to them. But you know what, though? Kids are. They're kids. They're kids, man. Oh, they yeah. think yeah. they're invincible. Because, you know, when you're a five-year-old, you could run around all day oh, yeah. not thinking about anything. Running on donuts. As these kids yep. get older, man, they, and their bodies perform differently and they have to realize that but right so now do you t- yeah do you typically focus on like nutrition as a coach will you kind of get that knowledge out there to them and understand hey f- on practice and game days you really should be drinking this amount of water yeah 100 percent. and um 
it's actually we have awesome resources too. So we, we hammer that home right from day one, preseason, start preseason. We talk a lot about nutrition and staying hydrated and, and how that affects them. But we also have um, at Enfield High, when you guys go there in a month, have you been to the new Enfield High? No. Oh, I haven't. Dude. I heard it's like a spaceship oh inside. Really? <laughs> it's insane? If you saw the facility that these athletes have, you'd be mad. Really? Dude, uh, I'm telling you. They have. They don't have... They don't need a gym pass. Not only do they have a full gym, they have, you know, aerobic uh, uh, room, which there's treadmills and all sorts of machines, and then they have, like, a full, full gym, weights and everything. But on top of that, we got a grant, and and, and I'm not sure if the grant is up, but these, we hired them full-time, but we have um, a trainer that designs workout programs for athletes based on, on their sport and where what level they're at. So guys that have been lifting weights for like three years, all right, this is the plan for you. And then so wow. we, we try to mix That's it up amazing. during the season where we could get in there. So days like it's raining, we'll try to squeeze in and, and get uh, you know some, some weight room action in. Um, but he teaches them too about all this, you know, uh, how to take care of your body, right, yeah. maximize your potential athletically. And then during the off season, Three times a week, they go down after school in the off season wow. and have that all that space for free. That is amazing. So that gets, is amazing. It's, it's one thing coming from my mouth, but when you have a whole setup and someone else, oh yeah, exactly. What you're saying, yeah. right? That's huge. Yeah. I didn't even have that in college. Dude, my mindset, my <laughs> mindset in high school. I remember being like my my buddies being like. Hey man, maybe we should work out and get a little stronger for soccer. I'm like, no man, it's gonna stump my growth. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch those weights, yeah. man. I gotta, I gotta get taller. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on. Like, Here so we are. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, man. It's crazy. That's why. That's funny because a lot of the people we talk to don't really have that understanding of the nutrition part part of things, right? Um, so that's really cool that they have that because that's that's from everyone we've talked to so far. A lot of the schools are kind of a little behind on that. Yeah, definitely. So for you guys, kind of redoing everything yeah, recently and having a new setup there, lucky, man. that's lucky. that's incredible. Yeah. And we have a great athletic trainer too, um, and just even like the habit building and the the you know getting that mental toughness instilled in our kids. Uh, we we convinced them. I went to. Um, uh, coaching convention a couple of years ago uh, right around COVID at uh, Mohegan Sun and uh, there's this uh, you know this basically this motivational trainer um, her name's Dr. Tiffany Jones come to find out she's from Enfield really yeah she went to Loomis Chafee um, was on the youth national teams um, wow. and she's very good but she the NFL hires her. Uh, she, you know, she works with professional teams. She's obviously worked with uh, the national teams, Dr. Tiffany Jones, um, and she created. We reached out to her like, hey, you know, I know you're probably you're, you know, you're pretty high up there in what you do. We probably can't afford you, but you know, would you be able to put a, put together a program for us? So she was awesome. She put together this program, a series of videos for our kids. She gave us every kid uh, got a notebook. And we'd have uh, like mental toughness sessions with the kids, and it was about mainly about like uh, habit building and reflecting. Like, what do you do when you find yourself in those ruts as mm-hmm. an athlete? How do you dig yourself mm-hmm. out? Um, what things can you do to prepare yourself to be more confident going into games? Um, all of those things. So we started doing that last year, man, and it's so they're getting the full picture. Like we were not. We were growing up, we didn't have no. have that. Like no. now, we're looking at at especially young athletes holistically. Oh yeah, as soccer players, but athletes as people. Yep. Um, 
so that I think has really helped us reach the potential of our kids. Um, and honestly, I don't think they know how lucky they have it. I yeah, know. yeah, and, that's and, incredible. Yeah, and with that, have you noticed with your boys that you coach that they're able to handle their emotions better? They are. Like so, after we did that, like there's there's certain exercises we did, and kids were like, "Man, that's me." Like mm-hmm. when, we, yeah. when they read, so they example, recognize they're like, that. They're yeah. like, "Oh man, that's me." And that 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 reflective piece, um, and I know we'll probably talk about this later. I think that is a critical thing that kids just in general are missing a skill they are missing and not developing properly is, is proper self-reflection to mm-hmm. grow. Um, so it gave them that ability. And once they, they recognized it, like, Oh my gosh, uh, a perfect example was a kid on my team. He's, he's plays so hard and he's, he's a very talented player, but ultra competitive. So when things go wrong, he bursts. So last year, playing a tough game, and uh, he, he, he cussed. You know, he, he dropped the F-bomb in front of a ref and got a straight red card. Really? And then, because he, he was in a fit of rage, and then as soon as the ref showed him red, he just looked at me, and he looked at his teammates, and he wanted to cry. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew it right then. And there. Right. Like, what did I just do? What did I just do? That same kid two years ago would have sworn all the way to the bench, would have, yeah. you know, gone with that self that self-destructive behavior all the way probably until he got home but right away he recognized it and was like man i just let and everybody now, down yeah yeah and, and this year during preseason he went and tackles a little hard a little too aggressively probably would have been you know probably cards in a real game right after practice coach sorry i'm working on my self-control mm-hmm. so he's like super wow. reflective so it's yeah. good it's evidence that it's working these kids are, are are really taken to it so it's awesome to see yeah and i mean so let's get into it then because you mentioned we we're going to talk about it down the line here and let's, let's get into it now because i think it's it's obviously uh, you know where we're at with this and I, I love this conversation so have you seen that evolution now because you've you've been a teacher since 2011 and a coach since 2003 so obviously the culture of our youth has changed mm. <laughs> exponentially mm-hmm. in that time frame, right? So <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but <laughs> you know, but like the evolution, obviously, like you said, is if he's if he did it five years ago, if that kid did it two years ago, he would have been totally different, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. ha- have you had to adjust your teaching and coaching styles to kind of bring that out in them too, and to have them understand that more, like? It's obviously an important part, and you've asked for help from from someone like that, that Tiffany Jones, like you said, and all that. But is, is it something that you're seeing overall in coaching, not just with with Enfield? But have, have you noticed that a lot in the coaching field and, and world? Yeah, um, this is a loaded one, man. Uh, I could probably do a whole podcast just on this question. But, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so there, there's there's two things: um, understanding the way the world these kids have grown up in you really as an adult have to take some serious time to think about that and it's there's nuances to this generation that we we may not understand or even think about um and it sounds kind of kind of stupid to say but one thing that's totally missing from this generation is boredom they do not know how to be bored. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so much now uh, scientific evidence coming out and research coming out how bad constant cell phone usage is and being just constantly stimulated and, and needing it, like an addiction. Yep. I could see it in my classroom. Kids, I'll ask them to put away their cell phone, and they'll, they'll go like this. All right, sorry, Mr. Allegro. And then I'll be teaching, and they'll just... 
like they'll catch themselves yeah. like, wanting to like that addiction and they just the second they get bored they're like I gotta have some, some stimulation I exactly gotta, I gotta see what you know I see what's going on but with that boredom piece to it is the reflection piece that's missing when you're bored what the heck do you do right yeah. you think about life you exactly. think about yourself you think about and they're missing those moments so it's funny some of the evidence that's coming out about all this stuff is that more children are having trouble sleeping at night well, when do you? When are you bored? I can't go to bed. I'm alone with my thoughts, and it's probably driving them nuts because they they're not mm-hmm. used to dealing with it, right? And the same thing when they're faced with a problem, and this is the the hardest one. And you know, there's I'm trying to figure out strategies myself and how to deal with kids yeah. with this. But when they face a problem, they shut down. They just shut down, and it's not a matter of I can't do it. They just get so overwhelmed. Anxiety consumes them because they haven't thought about if this happens, how am I going to get through this? Mm -hmm. Or they haven't developed those skills that maybe we have had. And it goes, you know, you you listen to, to podcasts or read books about anything about on this topic. We grew up in a generation where we still played outside. We made our own rules. And if stuff got bad, there was no adult there. We had to handle itself, so we had to problem solve. That is so critical. And I Mm -hmm. don't think, as we developed as a society so quickly with technology and that kind of stuff, um, those little nuances, now we're starting to see, oh, wait a minute. that Now they're 15 years old, but they haven't developed those skills to deal with that, to overcome adversity. And in a way, we are enforcing it as a society because we go, well, this kid's got anxiety problems. So, you know, well, a perfect example is, and it, it's, it's something we struggle with as teachers is when we were growing up, I always remember, oh, you got to present in front of a class. You got to talk and, and you got to, you know, do a speech or whatever, public speaking. No, I mean... What's it? Uh, what's the the phrase that it's the number one fear people yes. have is public is. speaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know we still did it. You know because yeah. we didn't have a choice, man. You <laughs> right. got up there. You exactly. got to do it. There's yeah. no choice now. It's like, hey, you know this kid has anxiety, so maybe we could let them record their voice uh, on the computer. Just work around. They just submit it to you. And okay, like you're saving embarrassment for the kid, and that awkwardness and that anxiety and it, you know. Maybe they'll have an anxiety attack, and that's extreme. But with that component is you're teaching them when life throws you stuff that you don't want to deal with and you have to, there's a way out where you don't have to deal with yeah. it. Yeah, man. And it is, it is tough. It's a struggle as a teacher. You see it in, in coaching. Um, and that's a dynamic I think we're all as adults trying to wrap our head around is these kids are wired different. They... Um, their skill sets are different than ours, and even their values uh, of uh, are different than ours. And I had a conversation with my brother, who's a special ed teacher in in uh, Suffield, and he's like, you know, if you really think about it, man, like, what's the point? Like, what do you mean, what's the point, Chad? And he's like, no, literally, like, if kids want to learn about history, man, they could just go on the computer and look it up themselves. Like, mm. what what's like the way we're interacting with kids? Like, that's not how they're wired anymore. Right. Like, you, they know they could just find that stuff. So what's what's the point? Like, even if we do, like, hey, here's a worksheet 
define this vocabulary word from something you've read from the textbook, the kids won't read the textbook. They'll just go to Google. What's the definition of right. communism? Boop, boop, and copy and paste. Yeah. Right. So it's there's skills there that are lost. But, you know, in a way you're like, well, man, like I use a calculator. Right. I memorized my times tables when I was in fourth grade. Right. Right. Know, but I'm, I'm adult and I'm still using my calculator. So like, yeah, yeah times change. Um, so I think there's there's been such a jump, I think, when you propose that question. Even in the past 10 years from, you know, especially since when I started coaching and, and teaching, that's over a decade ago. Those things and approaches we had with kids used to work, and now they don't. Mm-hmm. And I think COVID, living through COVID, even elevated that mm-hmm. um, much so. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm not sure if that answered your question. No, no dude, that was yeah. amazing. We've, yeah. we, exactly. We've been, this is episode 52. This is our year our year, year, yeah. year right? this is our year episode that's the coolest shit I've ever heard on our podcast yes nice we've, talk, Dude, I, we've talked yeah. to awesome. a lot of cool people that's the best thing I've ever heard in the podcast yes yeah and I was just like so in the zone in that <laughs> because you made me think so deeply because you're right yep boredom correlates to anxiety because when they take that phone away it leaves their thoughts mm-hmm Kids can't handle that. It, man. They're not yeah. comfortable with it. And that's kind of a weird... It uh, is as so an adult, weird. It's a weird a thought. Feeling, right. Like, it is. Kids don't know how to deal with themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. wow. Yep. Yeah. 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 It is scary. And, and, and you know, I, I say this now. My sons are three and two. And so I said to my wife, we're going to get them like a burner phone, you yeah. know, because I see the addiction to phones. Oh, man. It's real. And it's, it's scary, man. It's yeah. scary. And it's like... So we had a friend come on. He was a former detective, retired detective. And he said there is a police shortage. And so they're... they're everywhere. Yes, it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. And their they're hiring uh, requirements have scaled down. Mm-hmm. And he said the problem is these young, aspiring police officers don't know how to de-escalate situations. Because everything is done through the phone. They don't have tough conversations. They'll text you. So when they are trying, they're faced with a impactful situation. They get nervous. They don't know how to handle it. And he goes, "You can't do that when someone may have a weapon." You know, right. mm-hmm. especially with police are so scrutinized. Yeah. But it's like you were saying, it's society nowadays. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like the coddling and everything. It's such a different. Then you throw COVID oh, into the mix. Oh yep. You know, so yeah. it's, it's so strange. It is. It is, man. And yep. it's, yeah, it's, as you mentioned that, it's, again, with that boredom piece and self-reflection, but it also correlates with athletes. I'm thinking when I was a player, right, we didn't have, we had discmen. <laughs> we had discmen. Yeah. You yeah. I mean, yeah, that thing would be skipping on the bus. I was going to say that, frustrated, right? Frustrated, right? But most of the time, you're alone in your thoughts before a game. Yeah. And just thinking as a player, what did I do? I visualized, okay, if this happens in a game, I'm going to do this. I'm, when I get the ball, I want to do that. And, you know, obviously, policing is much different. But in that sense, you kind of are talking or through, through yourself through those possible scenarios. But if those policemen... Aren't, don't know how to de-escalate. That means they really haven't trained their brain to think it through. So when it happens, they're prepared. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that is just across the board. With you could apply that to everything, and Ex- that is a huge problem. Exactly. Huge problem. I mean, we we do that like for our speaking engagements and stuff. Like we prep everything out. 
and we legit will go to one of our houses and we will essentially have like a like a, a fake in- speaking engagement where we're talking yeah. to the, we're talking to the wall for two and a half hours where we're going through what we're gonna say and we're anticipating okay well if they ask this we have to answer it this way right and yeah. it's like so like you said it applies to anything but like you just have to take the time to be kind of in tune with yourself mm-hmm. and, yeah. and kind of feel that out first because people are going in you know like like now they just don't know how to handle it yeah and we always say like fitness is medicine for your mind like that's how we believe that it's it's, it's an it's a it's a medicine that's oftentimes untapped mm-hmm. so do you feel like for those kids who have a hard time dealing with their emotions or knowing how to be bored like you said right is is fitness a good alternative to that too you know what i mean like a good outlet for that oh my gosh yeah and that's um that's also huge there's so many things right um so you know my wife might hate me for saying this example but like she's been sometimes she has trouble falling asleep Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah but like have you exhausted your body today? Have you worked out your body? Like, mm-hmm. is your body physically tired? Mm-hmm. Like, that might help you fall asleep, but she gets anxiety before she goes to bed sometimes. And, you know, that's common with a lot of people that, that develop insomnia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that that is that is a medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, these kids, I'm trying to think of a, a right way to phrase this, but they don't have that outlet um, where... You're, you're, when think about what you're doing when you're working out, right? You're not, you're not thinking about, you're kind of in the moment. You know what I'm saying? You're totally in the moment. Yes. And you're just doing it. It's a mind body connection. Yeah. And there's, there's very rare instances in these kids' lives where they're just in the moment. In the freaking moment. They, they, I'm not sure if they don't like it. Maybe it goes back to that boredom piece where they're uncomfortable, but, they need that space just to be in tune. Yeah. And, and absolutely, uh, you know, working out, whether it be sports or hitting the gym or, you know, even doing yoga. What are you doing? And yoga is a great example. You're in, you're in tune with your body. Yep. You're you're so in tune with it. Yes. You, you feel, you know, you feel centered after that. Mm-hmm. You know, like going for a five-mile run, I'm going to hate it for a long period <laughs> of time. But when I'm done, man, what feeling do you get? You're like, Whew, yeah, yeah, that felt good. Right, and then there's also an essential of accomplishment piece yes. to it, you know. And it, it again uh, with the mental piece of working out and taking care of your body is the proponent that yeah, it's hard to do those things. Man, I'm not sure if I could run two miles. I'm not sure if I could run five miles. But when you do it, I overcame something I didn't think I could mm-hmm. do, and it gives you strength. It gives you confidence. It centers you. Yep, it is truly medicine if you yeah, think about yeah. it you know it is that's a very good point yeah that's yeah i mean and not to cut you off yeah. here but like like you said that goes back to the constant distraction mm-hmm. and that's that's probably why like a mind body connection can be could be difficult for somebody like Absolutely. that who, who's constantly distracted so just yeah. wanted to put that out there too sorry do you do you feel like our youth has and i'm gonna say this but has a tough time being like present because even yeah. me as an adult I didn't truly understand the value of being present until I started to do a lot of like personal growth and personal development. And I remember vividly it was my my son's third birthday and we took him to the fire station and you know left my phone in the car. It was me and my wife. We uh, we brought our other son to daycare and I just felt myself be present. 
And I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed just the smile on his face and everything. And right. looking back in like high school and college, I don't know if I off there's there'd be like moments, I would yeah. say moments mm-hmm. that I could look back on and fondly remember. Do you think kids are missing that being in the present moment? Yeah. And I think the great example of that is COVID. Um, when COVID happened, so I'm a busy guy. I got I wear a lot of hats, and that's come kind of something I realized going through COVID was that kind of time just stood still for a minute, and everything just slowed down. And I was like, whoa, this is like the first time as a parent I've spent this much time with my kids, and it's awesome. Like. I'm, I'm seeing things they do all day long, and I'm like, wow, like I would never have been able to appreciate that or even see it or experience it if, you know, this disaster of COVID didn't happen mm. and I'm stuck at my house. But then you ask a teenager, what was COVID like for you? Oh, <laughs> worst experience in my life. They, they couldn't, obviously, like you want to be socially connected as a teenager and, you know, they're missing out on those things. But I don't think that capacity they had to understand that you're in the moment you know it doesn't matter if you're sitting in your house stuck in your house at covid and during covid or if you're on a beautiful beach i don't think they're they're letting that sink in and i Mm -hmm. think again it goes back to that reflective piece to be aware of it to be present you need to be aware Mm -hmm. and their mind is so what, what what's going on what am i doing what 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 can stimulate me what can you know, everything just thrown at them that even I, you see, you see it all the time. You could just walk, go ahead, walk to, to our dead mall, walk to our dead mall. <laughs> and, Do you and, want some paintings <laughs> of tigers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, just see kids like maybe grabbing a bite to eat before they go to a movie and they'll be at, and you see it everywhere, right? People just cell phones in their hand God, and yeah. eating, eating together yeah. and not even conversating, just looking at the phone and not being present. Mm-hmm. But that phone is, is, is glued to their hands nowadays. And I don't think, I think it's twofold. Like you said, I think looking back when, even when we were growing up, no one rarely, I mean, there was moments probably where my parents were like, you better appreciate being a kid, you know, uh, you <laughs> oh, know yeah. take it all in, take it all in. It goes by quick. And you're like, yeah, whatever, dad. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. it's going to be like this forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but you're kind of like, you don't appreciate that moment it's different than being in the moment and appreciating the moment yep um i think sometimes kids are aware but they don't understand being it yep yeah um yeah i think and again it goes back to the just distraction society's throwing at them the way they've grown up and, and everything else and it's I'd say as personally i'm the same as you man probably the past three years that's been something i've been really focusing on is just being present yeah uh, and just enjoying it it's know? huge yeah it's huge it is because i'm it, but the distraction piece it also is a is like a social crutch too mm. where like if if you don't want to have an interaction with somebody you can see it everywhere what does the person do they grab their phone and look at it to look like they're busy or look distracted <laughs> yeah. to avoid the conversation or <laughs> yeah. to avoid the person oh, right coming around. Okay. oh yeah i got it exactly <laughs> right yeah, you know what call. i mean yeah. so like, uh, I'm sure that's such a big component of all this, too. So, yeah. look, we, I don't want to cut this short because we still probably have half of what we wrote down to go still, right? Um, and this this episode 
went a little different direction than I thought we were going. It was going to go right. Yeah, um, great, great episode, which, which is fantastic. Um, the last question that we have that 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 we'll put out there, BG, and I think you'll you'll agree with this one is: Can you share a story with us? Right, because we talked about it a lot today. All right, can you share a story with us about someone you've coached or taught in the past that you've reconnected with or or saw down the road or whatever it may be? They had fond memories with you were present with. Right, you, you were able to coach hard or coach well, um, and you kind of were able to have a moment with them down the road. Have you, have you had, had those interactions or something like that? That's kind of be like a nice note to leave on here today. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what makes that's what makes teaching and coaching worth it, man. When you have those moments, and and oftentimes too, with that said, is in that prof, in the two professions of teaching and coaching is. I mean, you think about it, how often when we were younger, when we had a really awesome coach, did we literally go up to them and say, hey, man, I really appreciate everything you've done for me. You don't know how much you've impacted my life. Mm -hmm. Never. And never, right? And Mm -hmm. I I think as kids, too, you don't understand it until later on, maybe, and reflect on it as an adult, being like, wow, that person impacted me more than I thought. Um, But one that sticks out to me is I had a player – when we merged schools, uh, Enfield High and Fermi, the, f- the first few years were a struggle, man. Our kid, we had some some tough seasons, and it was frustrating, you know, uh, in terms of wins and losses. But it was also a difficult scenario of combining two different cultures and trying to form our own culture uh, as a combined Enfield High school. Mm-hmm. And right. Yeah. You know, there's clicks here from one group, clicks here from that group, and oh, that's tough. It, 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 it was tough. I didn't even think about Falcons that. Falcons fly raiders die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> How dare you? Um, and you know, so it was hard for many, many reasons. And and kids had a tough time, and they, uh, you know, they got frustrated. It took a toll on them emotionally. It took a toll on us coaches emotionally too. But I had a player that was he was good. He was good. Have had tons of potential and. You know, maybe didn't take himself as an athlete seriously. Um, at the time, probably self-admittedly, he, he would admit he was immature. Um, but, you know, it was one of those moments where you're like, yeah, but you know what, this kid, there's something about this mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And like, yeah, you, I could put up with the immature behavior, you know, and we'll deal with that. But there's something about him. I want to make sure he goes off his senior year and has the best, mm-hmm. the best season possible and the best experience. <laughs> like the first first or second game dude the kid goes up for headers he's fighting hard man and so proud of this kid um giving it all he's got he just gets a cleat to the face oh gushing blood and forehead he's out for like two weeks with stitches at least and he just he go he goes down a hole man he yeah. goes down he was already you know, there were signs of struggling maybe like emotionally a little bit trying to figure himself out maybe battling with with depression or anxiety you know, um, that's just what I saw from the outside. I don't want to s- right. speak to him on that behalf, but it was it was you know it was clear, and there was there was times uh, in school where I'd invite kids. You know, if you got nowhere to go for lunch, because now crazy lunch rules, you could eat, back then you could eat lunch wherever you wanted to in the building. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my soccer guys would pop in and have lunch with me, and there was a couple times he came in and he was just bawling his eyes out. Really? So because he missed the game. Just a lot of or just struggling just overall, struggling right? Struggling overall, like emotionally, like he was in a tough spot senior year. He realized, like, I don't have a plan for after high school. Like, 
you know, typical teenager stuff, just wasn't getting along with his parents at the time, like nothing major, you know, but all these stressors were putting him down and he just felt like the world was just like collapsing on him and there was no, there's no space, right? So took the time with him to just listen, man, you know, and I think that's so important is that oftentimes when we want to help people, the first thing we want to do is, is say something or do something. I got to do something. I got to do something to make this, yeah. you know, give advice better. or something. Yeah. yeah. The best thing is just listen. Yeah. Just yep. listen. Yeah. I got you, man. Yeah. You're all good. Just reaffirm, validate. Hey, I know it's a struggle. Um, so we had we had a lot of those conversations. And even after the season was over, you know, I made I, we formed a bond and a relationship through mm-hmm. those moments. And uh, yeah, after the season was over, he'd still eat lunch in my room. We'd chat and I'm like, hey, man, what do you got planned? What do you got planned? So he joined the military. I still get text messages from him, like every probably one to two months when he comes home, as soon as he comes home, hey coach, I'm home, man. Uh, you want to you want to grab some lunch? I'd love to catch up. So one day he, he I knew he was home, um, and just I look at my front door or my, my classroom door. There he is. Just I'm, I just came by to visit. You know, That's it was so the end cool. of school. That's awesome. He just hung hung out, and uh, one one of my assistant coaches um, coached with him too. So we hung out, and he's like, hey, you know, and we we're just catching up on life, and you're just like. Man, this, that's awesome. That right. is life coming full circle, man. Yeah. Like so yeah. much so. Um, but yeah, yeah that it shows the importance you had in his life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And you know what, though? Selfishly, too, we talk about validating those tough moments as a coach. It validated, man, I am doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, I may have messed up along the way. Yeah. But it feels you did something, it right? feels good, yeah. you know, to have that connection with somebody, um, and that validating. So in a way, he sees it as, you know, coach, I appreciate you helping me, man. I, every time I come home, I wanna, I wanna catch up, and I appreciate you. At the same time, it's reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it is. That's you know, a great story. Coaching's yeah. tough. Uh, teaching's tough, especially nowadays. Uh, but. In those moments where I find myself being like, do I really want to do this anymore? Do I really want this is tough? Do I really want to coach still? Is it worth it? I think of those moments. I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah. Even if even if it's just one kid, it's yeah. worth it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome. This was a phenomenal episode. This was great. This, was great. this was yeah, fantastic. Exactly, this is awesome, man. This I mean. This might have to go to Cox. Yeah, know, right. Yeah, probably. right. Yeah. But Tony, thank you, man. This has been a this has been an awesome episode. I think a lot of people are going to take um, some great. Uh, advice, but yeah. also, hey, maybe they'll put their phones down and just focus yeah. on their thoughts and let those weird feelings emerge and be, be like, bored, hey, man. it's okay. Be bored. It's okay. It's okay. I'm yeah. making sure it's be bored. Be yeah. bored. That's good. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. this is great. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. it, man. I had a great time. Uh, I love what you guys have been doing. Been listening to your podcast. 52, man. That's right. big. You got, you got right. the year That's, episode, man. You delivered. Yes. Delivered. You, know, yeah. you, you guys are doing awesome things. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate the time. I had yeah, fun, man. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Dude, that was that fucking was, great. That was great, dude. That might be the best episode, man.